0: and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want.
1: Good morning, everybody. Here we are back in a very hot June day. We are facing a heat wave straight from hell. Yesterday, (laughs) it is definitely, hell couldn't be any hotter and I'm sure it is, but just in the last few days, it has just been overwhelmingly hot here in beautiful Indiana. So I am extremely grateful to be here today in the air conditioning, talking to my lovely colleagues. And we have a surprise on the books is we have found so often that, that we run into people that feel like their ship is sinking. And as, as a property manager, as a regional supervisor of 25 properties, That is what I specialized in was coming in and taking non-performing properties and turning around, rebranding them and getting them back on the balance sheet. So for the next four series, we're going to do a series on this and we're going to explore just that process of going through, taking what we think is a sinking ship. Maybe, is it really a sinking ship or are we just taking on water? There's so many questions here, so many things. To, to explore. And at the end of it, we're going to make a, a transcript available to you so that you can download it and use it for your analyzing and other good things, or maybe just for some ideas. But let's get started this morning. And tell me, Dr. Sam, have you ever faced a sinking ship?
2: I would say that's probably affirmative, but if I could be so bold, Myra, do you mind if we go around the room and remind (laughs) our listeners who's here?
1: Absolutely. That is, that was my plan, but I just, um, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) You just be... I thought you were so excited to jump into the topic. And yet I just want you to introduce yourself by telling us, Uh, have you ever been on a sinking ship?
2: So dear listeners, what you just heard was the humility on my part. I biffed it, and they were moving on. So yes, I've seen the, the sinking ship before and part of it was perception. <laughs> you know, I had expectations that were set in one level, but the organization was someplace else entirely. So I had to level set and figure out where we actually were and then realized the things I thought we were going to do wouldn't be possible. So we had to reset the foundation and start to build again in order to get to a place that was good. But boy, I didn't appreciate that that was the angle we'd have to take. I thought we'd be able to hop in and run, but no, that was not our answer as it turned out. But we <laughs> turned it around over time, but it was quite a series of bailing buckets to get there. i tell you that.
1: <laughs> it always is. And nothing is, the neither. none of them are the same. They always bring their own challenges. How about you, Mr. Geyer? You came from both a medical and a banking background. Did you face any sinking ships?
3: Yeah. In fact, I did both in banking and in, in healthcare. In fact, on four different occasions across those two industries, I was hired as the replacement captain. So part of the story, you know, the captain goes down with the ship. That's not what happened. In, in my instances, the captains that were there prior to me had abandoned ship. And so I, Yeah, have definitely been on the ship that's sinking and been able to plug the holes and bail out the water and refloat the vessel and get it headed to where it was supposed to go. Yeah, I've got a lot of experience in that realm.
1: You're going to be a big encouragement to people that don't have any hope right now because they're on that ship. Mr. Conroy, in the nonprofit world, do do you face sinking ships?
4: No.
0: Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> 100, they're
2: 100,
3: all non-profit. They're all thinking.
4: What are you talking about? <laughs> they're all thinking, no, are easy, man. They're all perfect from the start. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, when I worked for the Boy Scouts, my, my role, my reputation was to go in and fix and rebuild districts, scout districts, because so, I'm a structured organization guy. It was really given to the test when I became the executive director of the local United Way. They were 90 days from shutting down. During the interview, one of the board members said to me, why would you want to reset the lawn chairs on the deck of the Titanic? And I said, because I love a good challenge and give me 90 days. The executive director before me made some really bad decisions, treated the organization as their own personal checking account. And uh, so I was really starting from a major deficit and within two years we doubled and they're still around today. So that was. 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Tw- mm. Yeah, 10 years ago. 20 years ago. It's 20 years ago and it's still around today.
2: <laughs> do I go, go 3. i about 40. We have yeah, 38 35,
0: 40 <laughs> smart ass.
2: But uh, here, sir,
0: yeah, I am familiar with the sinking ship, but I can come up with a plan pretty quickly. I, uh, yeah, I'm familiar.
1: Okay. And Mr. Gia from Professionals of Play. How do you oh. keep it fun when the ship is going down? Oh,
4: obviously you got to sing. There's lots of singing and dancing involved and frivolity. No, I've (laughs) actually, I, you know, I was trying to think of all the organizations that I've been with and worked with. And I think as far as I know, all of them are still afloat. So doesn't mean they haven't been taking on water though. And uh, not metaphorically speaking, literally, I have been on a ship in the ocean that was taking on water. There's a totally different story. (laughs) Terrifying and hilarious all at the same time.
1: It's, it sounds like that we have all had our stint with that, paid our dues with bringing a, a business, a property, whatever, back from the cliff. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that can use this information right now. I know that there is, especially with COVID and the effect that it's had on our small businesses. They may, a lot of people maybe ready to throw in the towel. I I don't know if you guys are familiar with the small business statistics, but according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, approximately 20% of small businesses fail within the first year because they're not prepared. That's they're not they've gone, they've got a dream, they've got a passion, but they're not prepared. That is the general consistent consensus. But by the end of the second year, 30% of the businesses will have failed. So that's an you know extra 10%. But the really surprising one is that by the end of the fifth year, nearly 50% of small businesses have failed. Now, keep in mind that failed means they've closed up. They're kaput. They no longer have an EIN, any of that kind of stuff. There could be ones in there hanging on by a threat. They could go, they but they're still considered successful because they haven't folded. So that's the ones that I want I want this series to reach. I want you to know that there is hope and there's a right way to do it. And it is not reactive. It's responsive. And that's what we're hoping to do in this series is give you some real tools and start asking yourself some real questions on how can I get this back on the right track. So starting with off. When you have run into a situation where they're taking our water, what do you want them to realize more than anything else? Obviously, they wouldn't have come to you if they didn't want things turned around, if they didn't have hope. So how are you going to give them that hope?
4: A great question, Myra. And as my wheels are turning in my head, I think that a lot of times when organizations reach out to me, it is proactive, not reactive. And they're trying to not necessarily right the ship, but they're already in the process of trying to make sure that the workplace engagement, that their people are taking care of, and I'm just one of the spokes in the wheel and giving them more tools and an opportunity to get to know each other in a different way. So most of the organizations I work with are in that proactive aspect of things. When I think about the ones that I've been a part of that... To me, looking back, I can see them definitely taking on water. It's been either one of two things: one, it's a personnel issue, and the, it's a, been a absolutely toxic environment. for somebody has taken the reins that doesn't know how to steer the ship. That's the wrong analogies because reins are for horses and ships have wheels. You're welcome for that little nugget. Of the ship. wheels. <laughs> wow. Maybe that's why they're in trouble. <laughs> here, take. We're driving the wrong animal. It's a ship, gosh. So the, the, it's either the person doesn't know, the person in leadership doesn't have an idea of how to get out or how to even steer the ship in the right direction. Or sometimes it's, a, it's the process of how they do things. So it's a people or a process usually. And if it's one of those, I think that both of those can be fixed, but it takes awareness. And you have to have the numbers, you have to have the hard data that shows You know, if you're sinking, where are the holes? If you don't know where the hole is in the ship, you can't plug it. You can't fix it. And so just having that awareness of, you know, that hard statistical data, here's our processes and procedures. Here's our standard operating stuff. This is how we do things. Is it effective? So that awareness piece is absolutely critical to understanding how to write the ship if it's going down. And if not, if you don't have those you're no matter what you do, it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall. You don't know what's going to stick.
1: Yeah, excellent point. Excellent point. Because in my experience, it's been don't take action before you know what action needs to be taken. And yep. to do that, I would analyze. I would spend probably a month gathering data, talking to the employees, trying to get historical information so that I could make an informed decision on the next step. So Jeff Geyer. Did you, when you, did you find yourself uh, able to take the time to do that when you were trying to turn these around or did you ever feel rushed? Because I think a lot of times when you're taking on water and you don't know where, how many lifeboats there is, the overwhelming panic that involves sometimes does not allow the time that it takes to find out where you're at.
3: Yeah. The first thing that jumped to my mind, Myra, when you were telling your story just now about, you know, I took a month and analyzed. The uh, the second company that I became the replacement captain for, I I didn't have a month. We were less than 30 days from not being able to make payroll for about 80 employees. And so I, I didn't have a month to to figure out what's going on, to analyze the this, this situation. Because it, it, uh, clearly if I had taken a month, not done anything, but analyzed for a month, payroll wouldn't have been met. And that business, that company would have been part of your 50% statistic thing. So it, it really is a, a captain of a ship. If that's the analogy we're going to go with. I don't know anything about riding horses. The captain of the ship is responsible for the entire ship um, and all the people that are on it. Uh, and that means that their responsibilities are multifaceted, and none of them stand still. even when the ship is alongside it in the port, there there's still things, you know, the ship is alive. It's a living thing. So I didn't take the time to stand still to to analyze, not to necessarily push back on you. But sometimes there isn't time to analyze, and you have to get about the business of of doing the numerous things and I'm not going to get into the list here because this is a series and we'll pull the list out as we go, but you have to do many things at the same time and you have to do them quickly because the water is coming in the ship and if you sit around and wait to figure out why or where it's coming from, you may not have enough time to actually get the ship back above the waterline, so, uh,
1: That is, that's very well put because if Especially if a company's let itself getting, they're dangling over the edge of a cliff or they're, you know, halfway sunk in the water and the boat's about to crack in half. You've got to do something quickly. That's the and emergency. And
3: even that was the second company, the first company that I became the replacement captain for when I signed on, it was in the banking industry. When I signed on that that ship bank was under a seven article cease and desist order from the office of the Comptroller of the Currency of the United States of America. And because I'm I was, serious.
1: yeah, I'm pretty serious. serious.
3: And because I was the new captain, the OCC, Office of the Comptroller Currency, a federally chartered bank, it was federally chartered ship. They graciously gave me 90 days to address this seven article, uh, cease and desist order that had been, you know, on the bank for more than a year. That's why the previous captain abandoned the ship. And even in that scenario, I didn't have 30 days to analyze what's going on because that would only left me 60 days to address the issues. And so we got to work right away and you just have to, and we'll ferret this out over the series here in the the coming episodes, but you have to do many things at the same time and you have to do them quickly. And
1: I certainly don't disagree with you. They really disagree depends on the level of emergency. And I'm guessing that probably, Dr. Sam, the the higher education world, there's usually something to bail you out financially, but there's got to be other things that pull down an organization, if you will, not exactly a business, but which is a business in a different kind of way. So, what kind of things do you face, did you face, or that were pulling the organization apart so it wasn't going to exist anymore?
2: So, when let me back up before I even start, we're not talking about exigency. We're not talking about schools that won't be schools anymore. It's not that broad and big. It's not like, that broad. And yeah, the states that I you know, work typically for state institutions, they usually wouldn't let an institution fail. I say usually because I'm watching current events, but they may say the amount of money you have, that's cute and adorable, but we're gonna take a big chunk of it and you can do with less. So there's always that panic and that anxiety of who has to go if anybody once this budget cut comes. So when we look at organizations and their health, if it feels like you're flying along in a rudderless car that's gone off the rails, it can be really traumatic to try to imagine yourself writing that process. So typically, Things that are both controllable and affect the health of an organization are the people. And frequently, there's a lack of accountability. There's an earned lack of engagement that can exist. And when folks don't feel like they belong or have a purpose in whatever it is they're doing, they don't put forth their best. And Jeff Guy was just saying, you had some folks in leadership roles who were saying, yeah, this whole thing around here sucks and I'm out. And there's no guess in my mind that they didn't have a large hand in gaining that organization to that point in the first place and then bailed out. And by a large hand, I'm not saying it was an active, you know, negligence necessarily, but lack of action is still in action. And yep. these organizations that have human issues that aren't resolved, behavioral issues that aren't resolved, will find themselves sinking and taking on more water, not knowing how or why they're doing it, because the financials look good, but, Everything's going wrong. So the corrective answer typically we've discussed so far is engage the people and figure out how we're going to correct this thing rather than expecting somebody from outside to do it. And again, Jeff Geyer's stories, you might be in emergency mode, corrective action right now. This is the way, this is how we're going ahead. Now that we're not actively dying, how do we start to thrive? And that's
1: obviously going to be coming up in our next step. You, you stop the bleeding any way you can. But my point that I'm trying to bring out here is bleeding takes different forms. It takes different forms, depending on your organization. When I was working with properties, I had all different kinds of funding. I had, you know, HUD funding, I had tax credit funding, I had conventional financing. Each one of those had to be looked at in a different way. And that's just property management. Everybody, there's so many businesses out there, but they all have these common things. Now, Jeff Conroy, and with the Boy Scouts or with any of your nonprofits, with St. Vinnie, what would you say nonprofits face that that a, a business or, you know, property or something like that doesn't necessarily have to look at?
0: Well, what everyone needs to understand is a nonprofit is still a business; it just has a different text designation, so it's still a business still have employees, the only difference is it's usually a board of directors that is involved and volunteers involved. So when you, when brother Geyer is a hundred percent correct, when he said, um, you know, sometimes you don't get the opportunity to sit down and assess. You've got to put, you, you've got to stop the, stop the bleeding or stop the, stop the sinking, plug the holes. But if you're given in Mike, like like Geyer. I had 90 days to fix a nonprofit. The first thing I did is I met with every individual staff member and every individual board member individually to assess, are they with me or are they going to be against me? So I need to know who I can rely on and who I could not rely on. Yes, I had to do payroll, but I need to know who's on team Jeff. And who's on Team Titanic? Yeah, that that was really the first thing I had to do. But I also had to, you know, look at the finances. I'd go out and talk to major donors who hadn't given yet and make sure they were going to give. You're, you, you know, the old Ed Sullivan show with the guy that would spin the plates. You know, you he would run up and down and trying to keep the plates spun. That's what you're doing. You have a dozen plates and you're trying to keep them all spinning. And if one starting to wobble, you got to go run over and speed that plate up a little bit. But you know, the first step I ever took was who's with me, who's on team Jeff and who's on team Titanic. And that's both staff and board. Because if I got board members that are fatalists and it's not going to happen, I'm not going to put a lot of energy into them. They're leaving anyway. I'd much rather put the energy into those that are going to be with me. Same thing with staff.
1: Yeah. And that, as we go through this series, part of the challenge is going to be that some things are going to fall in this category because of this business and other things are going to. To me, that would, that was what I put in plugging the holes is where was I losing energy? Where was I losing money? Where was I losing loyalty? But I love, I'm on a board and I know that can be very difficult. A volunteer board is sometimes hard to get on the wagon with you or on the ship. I got to stay with our analogy. And that's can a, an analogy That's another whole set of skills, but it's all part of Where am I? How did I get in this mess? You know what brought us here that we don't want to do again, and and even though you have to stop the bleeding, get the tourniquet out, at some point you're going to have to know what got you here. Does anybody disagree with that?
2: No, not at all. And I also offer that even for this small business owner, we've talked a couple you know minutes about some very large organizations, but. They've got dashboards, they have people, right? Who, somebody bring me the data. Let me understand this, let me analyze this. If you're doing it by yourself or with a small group, that feels daunting, but the data is still there. You still have to examine why are you in the situation you're in? And maybe it feels like you're sinking. Maybe you actually are, but you don't know what to do until you understand that bit. So numbers don't buy data, it's just flinging around. Exactly right. Numbers don't buy. Well, as damn lies, in statistics, but that aside, the yeah. actual data, then you can move forward in a meaningful way. No?
1: I'm, I'm distracted a little bit because GL put in here how many people are cheering for the iceberg. That is so true. That is so yeah. true. If, you know, if the whole overall uh, mindset in the company is on the negative, they can actually be cheering for the other side. Oh, yeah? need, that's part you need to find out, which is, by the way, our next installment in this series is plugging them. and the personnel and the data are two separate things. And I Sam, you just pointed that out is the data doesn't lie. Numbers don't, don't lie, even though they can be interpreted differently, but people, their emotions, they're what got them there. It takes a whole new skill set to know how to get the ones off that are cheering for the iceberg, you know, and. But the ones in lifeboats that are on your side and you know that type of thing. So anything to add that this is going to be a fantastic series because we've gone we're gone, just gone through the through the first step is finding out where you're at. Because even though if you can see a wound, you can see that I've got to get this fixed now, but I can't let the rest of it go without making a plan without knowing where I'm at and what I have to fix. Does anybody else have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, very briefly, be critically honest. I think that there's some toxic positivity that could creep in. Oh, we'll be fine, everybody, it's no problem. Your arm is lopped off. Nothing but a flesh wound, it's a problem. So identify it and say so, and then move forward with a strategy.
1: Exactly. I think that is, is something that business owners fall into. Because they want to deny, they want to deny that there's a real problem here. They just want to find somebody to fix it. And I think Jeff Geiger probably fell into that hole with his, his situation. He told us about with the comptroller or something like that. There was some of that too, but
3: part of my banking career too was collecting non-performing assets. So loans that, that weren't performing the way they were originally in, intended to. So people aren't making payments or struggling with payments or those kind of things. And, you know, the whole foreclosure and bankruptcy and all of that stuff. And um, one of the things I remember, and and this is now, you know, a number of decades ago, a couple of decades ago, but that there were some customers of the bank, and we're talking about commercial customers, so they're business owners, who thought everything was fine in their business because every year the bank renewed their operating line. And they use that as the only indicator. That's the only indicator they had on the bridge of their ship to determine whether the ship was functioning correctly. And then, you know, when the bank one day decided, no, we're not going to renew this loan, we want you to pay it. Now, all of a sudden it feels like they're sinking. And so, yes, the coming episodes where we get to talk about what kind of indicators do you need on the bridge of your ship? What? Mm -hmm. You know, how responsible are you as the owner as the, or as a leader, as the CEO, those kind of things. I can't tell you how many times they tried to blame the their problems on the bank because the bank decided not to renew the loan. And that oh, was the first indication that there was something wrong.
1: KPIs, I preach that all the time. Key performance indicators. If you don't know what they are, better find out.
4: That'll be in the next um, episode or the one that, after that. Or the
1: one after that. All right. I just want to... In the interest of time, I want to wrap this up, open it up to any final comments, something that you want people to take away with, take away with them on off of this. And remember, just remember that everything, every business is different. And we went over that. Every business is different. Nonprofits are business too. Keep laughter yeah, in there. Yeah. <laughs> <Bumper sticker. laughs> Keep laughter in there. And you may not have time to to analyze like you, but you've got to stop the bleeding. And I appreciate all of you guys's input. It's going to be a fantastic series and I can hardly wait till next. So if there's nothing else, I will close this one out and we'll talk to you again next week. Oh, by the way, I would love to hear your stories. I would love any input in, into this series will help. Send us an email at askus at... Oh, where is that? If you, so who did that for me? Ask us at leadershipbs.co. I don't do this as often as the guys do, so that's my excuse. Ask us at leadershipbs.co. You can also find us on Facebook. No more leadershipbs. That's a great place to put your comments, and because this is going to be built out of real people's experiences, love to have yours. So, until next week. I will talk to you then.
4: Bye, everybody.
1: Bye, everybody.
4: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five star review so we can reach more people thank you so much and tune in next time we'll see
1: you then